Support comes from Kenmore Air, offering escapes to the beautiful San Juan Islands this spring. Convenient daily 45-minute flights to San Juan Island, Orcas, and Lopez Islands from only $169 per person one way. Bookings available now at KenmoreAir.com. Good evening from the KUOW Newsroom. This is Seattle Now. And happy Leap Day! If any of you out there have a birthday today, this one's for you. I'm Paige Browning, and coming up, where dogs and cats go in the Seattle area when their owners need a break, be it for medical recovery or during a stint of homelessness. But first, here are today's top stories. It's Thursday, February 29th, Leap Day. It looks all but certain now that Washington will prohibit police from hog-tying suspects. It's a control tactic that was used on Manny Ellis the night he died in police custody in Tacoma, and one that's been gaining increasing scrutiny. As of this week, both the State House and Senate have voted to ban hog-tying, but the Senate needs to agree to some amendments before it can reach Governor Inslee's desk. But another bill that police reformists wanted has failed. It would have created a new statewide office to prosecute police when they misuse deadly force. Amy Radel has more. Establishing an independent prosecutor has been a top priority of police reform advocates. They say it's an important next step since Washington already has an independent office to investigate deadly encounters with police. Katrina Johnson is with the Washington Coalition for Police Accountability. You do all these independent investigations and they go back to the local prosecutor where there's already an inherent conflict. We are still nowhere further than where we were before we had an office of independent investigation. Prosecutors opposed being required to turn over cases to a statewide office. But Thurston County Prosecutor John Thunheim says he'd support the effort if local prosecutors could use it voluntarily. He believes they would make use of it because putting police officers on trial is complex and expensive. Amy Radel, KUOW News. Cold weather and even a chance of snow are headed to the Seattle area this weekend. County officials say they'll open an emergency shelter for homeless people to get inside. The Salvation Army in Soto will open Friday through Monday night with room for 30 adults and their pets. Just this one overnight shelter will be available. In January, the county opened three shelters when cold weather hit the region. Still, at least five people in King County died from hypothermia during that cold snap. The National Weather Service in Seattle says overnight temperatures this weekend will drop into the 30s with rain and snow likely. In Congress, Republicans have blocked a bill that would protect access to in vitro fertilization, IVF. U.S. Senators Patty Murray and Maria Cantwell co-sponsored the legislation, and Murray called yesterday's vote the latest Republican attack on reproductive freedom. The vote comes in the wake of Alabama's Supreme Court decision that says frozen embryos should be considered children. And here in Seattle, an infertility specialist says that decision could impact fertility clinics nationwide. Dr. Jenny Ryan is with UW Medicine. It's completely chilling. You know, access to care is already an issue with uh, for infertility care across the country. And it's just it's it's frightening. Um, it could have a devastating effect because nobody's going to want to support these clinics in the potential litigation. Ryan says increasingly fertility clinics are being funded by private equity companies. She believes clinics will close rather than face potential litigation. 
Washington state leaders are seriously concerned about hate crimes, and now they could start a hate crime hotline for the state. State lawmakers in both chambers have approved the idea, and it just awaits the governor's signature. The hotline would be available statewide by January 1st, 2027, for people to report hate crimes and bias incidents. The state's education department has stepped in to help Tequila School District avoid insolvency. As Ann Dornfeld reports, the Seattle suburb is just the latest facing a financial crisis. Tequila School District ended its fiscal year in the red and faces a $3.5 million budget shortfall. The district has now entered into binding conditions with the state that will let it borrow money and get guidance about how to balance its books. At the state auditor's office, Adam Wilson says Tuckwilla's situation is due to factors many Washington school districts now face. You have declining enrollment, which means declining funding from the state. You have increased costs in terms of personnel and increased cost of living. Then you have the disappearance of some of those pandemic funds from the federal government. That's the trifecta. Wilson said the auditor's office expects to learn later this year how many other districts may face similar crises to Tukwila's. Ann Dornfeld, KUOW News. Washington State Ferries is getting a new leader, Steve Nevy. He's been at the agency for a couple years and developed a program to train new captains. Nevy succeeds Patty Rubstello, who announced she was leaving last year. It's a tough job. Washington State Ferries have been plagued by numerous issues recently, including a shortage of boats and workers. That has led to regular cancellations and reductions in ferry service. Seattle's scientist and conservationist Estella Leopold has died at the age of 97. John Ryan reports. Leopold spent most of her career at the University of Washington teaching and learning about the distant past through pollen deposits. She helped document the earthquake hazard that runs beneath central Puget Sound, now known as the Seattle Fault. After Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980, she fought a Forest Service plan to seed the area with exotic grasses. She advocated for the area to become a national monument, which it did. She published widely and wrote anonymous background papers to help advocates fight projects like damming the Grand Canyon. Estella Leopold was the youngest child of author and conservationist Aldo Leopold. Like her father, she spoke often of the need for a land ethic to guide humans' use of our planet. John Ryan, KUOW News. Tacoma residents can apply again to receive money from the city once a month. You heard that right. Tacoma's providing a guaranteed income program for the second time. It'll send out $500 a month to low-income residents, no strings attached. It's to help supplement their incomes. The Tacoma News Tribune reports that 175 families will get chosen this year and applications open tomorrow. Looking ahead to our first weekend in March, there is plenty to do in the Seattle area. Here are a few highlights to know about. Emerald City Comic Con started today and runs through Sunday. I'm told you don't have to go in costume, but you will see plenty at the convention center. Saturday is sold out. Hump Film Festival Part 1 wraps up this weekend. The organizers, a.k.a. The Stranger, plan to host Part 2 in the fall. It's at On the Boards. And the Seattle Jewish Film Festival starts on Saturday at a few locations, including AMC Pacific Place. Our feature story today, 
An unexpected emergency, like losing a job or a home, can mean all sorts of disruption. It can also leave people unable to take care of a pet. But there is help available in the Seattle area. Casey Martin reports. Before I even knock on Ned Beck's door, I hear the barking. Hey, Ned, how you doing? Beck opens the door a crack, and a very large and very hairy collie greets me before I enter. This is Bud. And Bud, he loves Ned. Follows me everywhere I go. I can't move around in here without him being right next to me. He's like Velcro. Bud is 12, and he's been with Beck since he was only a few weeks old. His entire life, they've never been apart. Their favorite routine was a daily walk in the woods. He used to have no problem going for a couple-mile walk. But a few years ago, Beck got really sick, a bad infection in his leg. He needed surgery, rehab, and physical therapy. And those walks with Bud stopped. I couldn't take care of Bud, and I didn't have anybody that I would trust because it was going to be a couple months that I wasn't going to be able to do anything. That's when a friend told him about Seattle Humane, the animal shelter in Bellevue. Mackenzie Alexander is the intake manager there. She helps people like Beck who have pets and suddenly need help. People are in crisis, so they usually need immediate services, either in the next couple of days or sometimes the same day. If a person's really in crisis, then oftentimes they will just show up at the shelter. After about a week, Bud was paired with a foster family. And he lived with them for four months while Beck was recovering. This fostering program at Seattle Humane is only a few years old. Alexander says they started it when people would show up without housing, not sure what to do with their pets. For sure, there's been a pretty dramatic increase in the last couple of years, kind of with the housing crisis and the economic crisis that we're facing right now. A lot of owners are seeking both surrender and temporary foster. People are forced to foster their pets for all kinds of reasons, she says. Often, they're in between housing, or the new place they're moving into doesn't allow pets. Los Paz lives in Burien, and he had a cat named Ash, until he became homeless. That was, that was pretty much my daughter, man. I loved that cat. My, my ex-wife took her uh, to you know, have her inside and whatnot. Uh, she moved away, but um, that was my baby. I miss her. Miss her dearly. I called her my daughter. <laughs> Seattle Humane has room for about 30 cases. Right now, there's a waiting list. Mackenzie Alexander says they try to foster the pets for as long as an owner needs. Overwhelmingly, it is like one of the hardest decisions of people's lives and a lot of times are seeking shelter as the very last option for their pet. They're really in a kind of a desperate situation and and needing to make a really difficult decision for themselves. Ned Beck says it was a huge relief knowing that Bud was safe while he was in the hospital. Beck ended up losing his left foot due to that infection. He had to learn to live with a prosthetic. And he did that quickly. He had one goal motivating him. I wanted to walk Bud. I wanted to reunite it with Bud. I wanted to be able to walk with him and have, have that again. After four months separated, Beck walked into the shelter to meet the foster family and pick up Bud. Their whole family, kids and everything, came to say goodbye to Bud. And uh, they were sort of disappointed, I think, because uh, as soon as I got there, Bud sort of chose to be with me. That was that he didn't really say goodbye good. 
Beck sends the family photos and updates of Bud, just like they used to do for him. He jokes that the two of them may be a little slower now, but they always get their daily walk. Casey Martin, KUOW News. If you want to see photos of Bud and even a painting of him, head to our website. That is KUOW.org. Next time on the podcast, it's Casual Friday. The guests, KUOW's own Casey Martin, who we just heard, and for a special twist, me. That's tomorrow morning on Seattle Now with host Patricia Murphy. And that's a wrap from the KUOW newsroom in Seattle. Our producer is Andy Hurst. Matt Jorgensen does our theme music. And I'm Paige Browning. Seattle Now and KUOW are members of the NPR Network. Until tomorrow, see ya. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.